This is crew. Hey, Cam, did you know that Brooklyn Clay has Amico underglazes ready to ship, making them the exclusive provider of them in New York City? I don't know if exclusive is true, but there's a lot there, yeah. What I'm saying is they're exactly like CBGBs in 1977. What does that even mean? Just what it means. Crew, do you even know what an underglaze is? I do not. But if I had to venture a guess, I would say it's something that goes under glaze. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. To the name. One, two, three, three and, and we're live. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think we got it. Yep. Um, welcome back to the Ceramics Podcast. I'm Gustav Hamilton. And I'm Camifer Clamaco. Just like daughter of Lucifer. Exactly. Spawn daughter of Lucifer. <laughs> Glad we agree. Uh-huh. Uh, my nickname. Um, okay, Gus. Uh-huh. Today's a big, exciting episode. Here's why. Why, why is that? Why is that? Cammy. We, you, you and I, because we see each other and twice. You, you yeah. and I. We you, see each other yeah. twice a week and we're like, we gotta do something fun for this podcast. Let's get some let's get some action pop. Let's judge it up a little bit. Sure. So we have a new segment called Ask the Expert. Yeah, the expert. So we're I guess the idea behind it is um we're gonna come up with something that's been either puzzling us or that we just uh saw on Instagram that someone was doing. And it's like a need to know, right? <laughs> it's a need to know. It's like how how do we figure this out? And we're not gonna ask not an expert, and we're not even gonna ask an expert, we're gonna ask the the person that we think is the expert. Yeah. Um because we got a lot of friends, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean- Yes. Yeah. I was like talking to somebody the other day and I I realized that I know five studio managers. Wow. I know. So I think those, if if you do that job long enough, you become an expert at something. I don't know what, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. Today's uh, does come from a studio manager, but um, I guess I just want to let everybody know if you think of a, a question that you want to ask an expert, write somebody else. But if you think of a question that you want to ask the expert, ask us. Right. Write in on Instagram at the Ceramics Podcast. And, and we'll, uh, yeah, we're going to find the expert. We'll get you the answer that you never wanted. Uh-huh. Or that takes too long and you just really didn't want to get involved. You yeah. really wanted a short answer, but now you've got the long answer that you didn't expect. So, you know, blessing is a curse. You never know. Yeah. And uh, the weirder the question, the better. <laughs> Okay, calm down. So uh, with (laughs) that, I guess we'll go into uh, our first ever Ask the Expert. Okay, today our Ask the Expert is Ryan Rennie, Studio Manager at Granite House Pottery. You're not doing a Patreon? Let's let's start a Patreon page. Oh my God, who would give us money for this? We'll just sell screenshots of Ryan Rennie. You guys don't have one? No. No. We don't, we don't, we try not to accept money until recently. Wait, yeah. then what, uh, then what Patreon ceramics podcast am I, have I been paying for? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> that's, wow. that that's just goes straight to fans. my bank account. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that's you and Gus's OnlyFans. Um, great. That's like the worst OnlyFans I could even talk about. It's like a lonely dude in the mountains hiking. And then Gus just like just throwing bad beers. Just in my studio by watch. myself. <laughs> <laughs> like paying a little faster. <laughs> Look, people would already pay money for this conversation. Yeah, this is maybe the best conversation we've ever had on the podcast. (laughs) This could be our whole segment. (laughs) 
Ryan, we, we've asked you here, Ryan, good friend, Ryan Rennie, uh, we've asked you here for a new segment that we're having called Ask an Expert or Ask the Expert. Sure. I think we're going to say that you're the expert in this. So we want to have you here for Ask the Expert. <laughs> Cammy, would you like to ask? Cammy sure. has all the questions. I do? Oh, okay, great. So Ryan, I know that you're the studio manager at Greenwich House Pottery. And I saw on Instagram that you kind of had like a pretty bad week last week. Let's start with the number one thing, which I want to know. What is the easiest way to clean up 10 gallons of slip on the floor? Well, first of all, it's always a good week at Greenwich House Pottery. There we go. Uh, Second of all, you know... I didn't have a lot of time. So if, if I had more time, I probably would have let it all dry. Wait, stop. Start at the top. What happened? <laughs> so, you know, we have this like 40 gallon slip tank um, and it has a timer on it and it, it goes on a couple times a day and the nozzle is super clogged and it has not really worked for a very long time. So I've been trying to figure out how to clean it. And eventually it just kind of got to the point where I had to take the nozzle off. And, uh, you know, I got as much slip out of there as I thought that I could. And I thought we were, were good and I got enough slip out of there and I could just pop the nozzle off and any remaining slip, I was just going to gracefully catch with a bucket. And then, you know, I had a backup bucket cause I'm smart. And then I had a backup bucket for my backup bucket. So I had three buckets ready. That's the Eagle um, Scout in you, always prepared. Yeah, except my, I guess my spatial awareness isn't that good because as soon as I pulled the (laughs) nozzle off, it just immediately filled up all three buckets. Like literally all three buckets were full in less than 10 seconds. Like it it filled like a five, 10 gallon bucket, like really, really fast. So uh, I didn't have a fourth bucket. I did not have a fourth bucket. I should have been more prepared. I thought that there was like an inch left of slip, maybe like a couple gallons that I could just, you know, handle. And then it it all just went onto the floor. And I don't know if you've ever touched the floors of the Greenwich House slip casting studio, but they're normally warm because there's two updraft kilns below them. So it starts kind of like caking up really fast. And then um, I think Pedro Ramirez had like a class coming in like an hour or so. So I had to um, kind of squeegee it up into dustpans. It was nasty. It was really nasty. And it took me like two hours to clean up. Like that's all I did that day. And um, I kind of was a little bit defeated the rest of the day. Um, but it was good. I got through it. If you had, if you had to do the cleanup all over again, what would you do? I would be more aware of how much slip is in the container. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think that the the dustpan cleanup that sounds like a effective strategy, though. But, yeah. It was really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it wasn't sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how how much slip do you think you lost? Maybe I'm going to say 15 gallons. Holy shit. That's real. Okay. But that's that's more than I thought. We go through a surprising amount of slip. It's kind of scary. So it's not too much. It's okay. All right. 
Gus, do you have any do you have any follow-up questions for our no, expert I'm in cleanup? Just really happy that we called the expert. I feel a lot better. Let the slip dry. Let the slip dry. Okay. okay. Be patient. <laughs> okay. And delicately peel. Oh, you could even roll it up and you might even oh. have a beautiful <laughs> casting of the floor if you're lucky. That would be, I mean, that almost sounds like your work, Ryan. If you would have just peeled up big sections of 100%. it. 100%. I mean, oh, that'd be... that's why I did it. it was, I call it forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the Ceramics Podcast. And next time we have you, we'll have you on a real whole podcast where we get to know you better okay. <laughs> thanks ryan talk to you yeah. later sounds good see you soon bye see ya you know what i would like to say about ryan rennie please is that ryan rennie's forgotten more than most people know oh, and then i am and then i immediately want to go into saying that somebody used to always say that about my dad and carpentry. And I would always think, yeah, but my dad's forgotten a ton of stuff. Like maybe he's forgotten so much stuff that he doesn't know anything anymore. But Ryan Rennie, I believe has a pretty good memory. So I think um, he probably actually hasn't forgotten very much at all. Um, well, I should but he knows that. a lot, <laughs> but he knows a lot. He does. Oh, wow. Well, thanks so much, Ryan, for coming on. Thanks, and, Ryan. Um, answering our very important need to know very question. Very important. Okay, so today on the podcast we have Camille Beckles. Camille Beckles. Camille. Is... Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're doing it. Camille Beckles is a potter out of Astoria, Queens. She's making really beautiful pottery, and basically Camille tagged me in a post where she went to my friend. Joe's store, 10 Greenpoint, and bought one of my mugs. And I, I don't really sell mugs in a lot of stores. So it was really sweet that she bought one of my mugs. And then I was like, oh, hey, you know, when someone buys your stuff and tags you, you go look at their profile. And then I was like, oh, she, we should have her on the podcast. She'll be great. And it was. We don't know that yet. This is the intro, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, the conversation it was. was great. Dang it. it was a great it was great <laughs> okay good i'm glad you agree anyway here she is camille beckles yeah man i was so sad on eating pizza today and i tried to go to two different pizza places that were both closed and so oh. i said i guess it's just not meant to be today <laughs> Yeah. It's funny because like I feel like you eat pizza all like 24/7. I know. Well, I feel like that's like I think that about you, but it's I know it's not true. I know, and it's actually I think in the last month I bet I've only had pizza twice. I've also been making pizza a lot, which is crazy because right. you know it's not the same as walking down the street eating a slice of pizza because that's the way to do it, you know. Right. I think I should make my pizza take a slice, put it on a paper plate and just like walk a lap around my block. And then when I get back, <laughs> I grab another slice of pizza. <laughs> to get so that New York, to get that New York city feeling. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not the water. <laughs> it's the walking around being scared that you're going to drop your toppings and then they're gone. I like this bit a lot, actually. It's yeah. pretty funny. Okay. Well, when was the last time you ate pizza? Sorry. 
Were no, you going to say okay. something important? No, um, not Because I was going to ask you something really important. I was when gonna... was the last time you ate a piece of pizza outside while it was raining? <laughs> uh... The first time I did it, I was in grad school and it was really raining. And you don't want to, but a light sprinkle is okay. A light sprinkle is okay. Um, God, it's been a real, I'm not sure ever. But really? I have done a lot of like late night drunk pizza eating where I know I woke up in the next, like woke up the next day and I know I had eaten pizza. Mm -hmm. Like I'll find like the paper plate in my jacket pocket or something. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, that's, uh. Wait, do you, do you, maybe we should go back and see if Camille wants to get in on this conversation because <laughs> it's so stupid. Hi, this is Gus. I'm Cammy. Nice. Hello. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you both. Gus was just asking me, um, when's the last time, you, Gus, what, what was it you just asked? Like you asked? When's the last time you ate a piece of pizza outside while it was raining? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> That's what I said too. I was like, I don't think I, ever. And it mostly comes up when you're like, like in a rush, like I would come up for me all the time when I was teaching and I was late and I was like, I just need to get something and it's raining and you're just, but you know, I think it can be a nice, can be a nice treat too. <laughs> if you got a really big hat, like the hat from the sand lot, and then it could really protect your slices. You're eating it, which would be nice. <laughs> I don't know what the sand, I don't know. The movie, The Sandlot. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't you remember he had a really oh, long hat? Oh yeah, he like, did have the like long a Ernest. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then great. they gave him a yeah. like a Yankees cap or something. Anyway. So wait, how's it going? Do you two know each other? Are you are you two friends? No, but I love the internet, right? Um, yeah. Instagram is the best. So Camille had bought my mug from Tent Greenpoint, hey. and then. I was like, oh, who is this? And so then I was like, oh, the, you know, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So then I was like so excited. Um, so it was just like a, such a fun, weird coinc like coincidence, I guess. And yeah. Uh, how do you how do you know that store? I Ten go there all the time. Um, I live in Astoria. And so even though Greenpoint is technically in Brooklyn, I associate it with Queens. Yeah. Um, because it's bikeable from where I live. Walkable if I want to take a really long walk, but okay. it's, it's close. And the day that I bought your mug, I was at Cafe Alula, which is next door, yeah. which in the before times I would go and work from there during the day because they have a nice patio and they have a great corner seat inside which has an outlet so I would go work there and spend like a ridiculous amount of money to be honest because I can't just sit in a coffee shop and only buy coffee for like seven hours I I feel obligated to continue purchasing things sure so I would just keep buying stuff at Cafe Lula and spend like seven hours a day there and tend is next door but on this particular occasion now in the current times I was waiting for my order to be ready at Cafe Alula. And so I went next door to tend just to look around and see what was new. And they happened to be having a plant sale and I passed your mug. And I was like, don't buy this mug. <laughs> <laughs> we 
leave this mug alone. <laughs> and then I went up to the checkout and I had plants. And then I was like, no, I'm still thinking about the mug. Like I'm going to buy the mug. So then I went back to the front of the store and I said, fuck it. And I bought the mug. That's awesome. So that's, I was waiting for my, my lunch and <laughs> killing time and tend, which I, is a wonderful store. And then the owner was like, oh yeah, my friend made this mug and blah, 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 blah. And so then oh, I, yeah, sweet. so I bought, so I bought a mug while I was waiting for my pita sandwich <laughs> and then went home and made a pot of coffee so that I could drink out of the mug because <laughs> I loved it so much. That's so sweet. Everything about that is so sweet. Do you buy a lot of people's ceramics in general? I wouldn't say a lot. I guess a lot is a relative term, but I do try to buy other ceramics because on the one hand, you can say, oh, I need this thing. Well, I know how to make it. Why would I buy it from someone else? But I like having other people's stuff around and other people that aren't me. It's just nice to have other aesthetics and see what other people's things look like and feel like. So I don't buy a lot, primarily because I don't have space for a lot of things in my apartment, but I always am looking for other ceramics and other things that I find interesting or inspiring and that I want to use on a daily basis that I would like to incorporate into my daily life, not on a daily basis. I am looking for other things to purchase. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I definitely buy, like I buy too many mugs. And so now my, like I would welcome a pretty, a pretty bad dinner plate into my house, but it has to be like a really good mug to make the cut because there's mm -hmm. so many, and I probably should start throwing one out the window every time I get one or something, but. Um, oh my God, yeah. you're literally like, bye Keith Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bye Adams Pur like what? <laughs> bye Adams Purrier. You're just like. How'd you, those would be the first to go to, you know. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> like, how do you pick? When you do buy stuff, Camille, what do you feel like, like really, what are you looking for? Like, how do you, like, what are you drawn to? Well, as a person who makes ceramics, I know what quote unquote good ceramics should look like based on what we're taught in like our classes and whatever stuff. <laughs> and then, and so I know what it's kind of quote unquote supposed to look like and then different choices that you can make based on what you actually are trying to achieve. And so I like, I'm drawn to the shape of things. I'm drawn to how things feel when I hold them. Like if it, just feels nice if it's the right weight. And I don't necessarily mean that it's, everything has to be super, super lightweight or really thin, just that it feels good and consistent. I'm drawn to textures, I'm drawn to certain colors. Like I like things that have a lot of depth to them. And so if there's a texture that's really interesting or a color palette that's really interesting or the texture of the clay really stands out. There's got to be something that just I keep returning to it and wanting to look at it and wanting to touch it and hold it is something that I really look for. And also the craftswomanship, <laughs> craftspersonship. Perfect. Perfect. Good. Good. Yeah. Let's. No. I. I think. Cammy was so happy there. I yeah, was. I was like. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was okay. not about. I. I will. Your mug was the most recent thing I purchased. Uh, I, think I might've ordered one since then, but both of them were from, not from men. Um, so I didn't want to say crafts manship, um, but yeah, just like things that clearly demonstrate that there is skill in the creation and that skill can be demonstrated by 
how it feels, or it can be demonstrated by the surface decoration or the proportions or how the handle is relative to the rest of the body or something that's not super trendy. I think there's a ceramics can tend to be trendy. And so if, if it's more of a, like a classic appeal, sometimes that will stand out to me. It kind of depends on the day, I guess, but there are certain, those are some of the qualities that I look for. And just something that I want to use every single day. That's really, I don't really have a lot of pieces that are just on a shelf and I never touch them. I like to interact with the things that I purchase and the things that I have. And so when I'm buying ceramics, it's really with the intention of being able to use it on a regular basis. I think I do that too with a mug. Like I'll use it every single day. I mean, there's no end. And then one day I'll just be like, maybe I'll just use this new one, but it'll be like a year or two. Mm -hmm. It'll be a while. Yeah. I almost feel like it's a socially sociological experiment on on like them being a maker and being a user. But I also use my stuff too, which are like my very shitty bowls from my (laughs) first year of ceramics class. I use those every single day as well. So it's not like... But I didn't, I, I didn't like pay money for those in a store. It's just, there's maybe some nostalgia and some usefulness, but it's like a very heavy, small pot, but I use it every single day. But all the students are going to be so happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Cause you think, you know, the big, the more you do it, the better you get. And so all those old pots, they get, you know, they get become obsolete so fast because you're like, well, I can do better now. And so there's like never an end to that. Mm-hmm. So that is really cool that you still use it. I would rather die than use one of my heavy ass pots. <laughs> Some of them I, I'm really fond of, like they're, they're so small. Like you can tell there's like an inch of clay at the <laughs> bottom of them, but they're great in the kitchen. Like they won't move if you hit them on accident while you're cooking because nice. they just, they're like, you know, they're, they just got so much weight to them. So they're perfect for like your garlic choppings or whatever. So you've been doing ceramics for like about seven years, six years? I think so. I took my first class in 2017 and it's 2020. So yeah, between five and six years. Have you, and you work out of sculpt, I'm, I don't know this for sure. You work out of sculpture space? Yes. That's where I currently work in Long Island City. Um, how is it there? I hear it's, I've heard it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's big and airy and they have the best lighting of any pottery studio I've ever been inside because they have these huge skylights on both sides of the studio and so it's wonderful it's spotless it's also the cleanest pottery studio I have ever worked in it's actually a kind of astonishing how clean it is uh and so it's just like a really bright beautiful space yeah, that place is dreamy. Is that where you took your first? Is that no. where you took your first class? Yeah. I took my first class at Lamano in Chelsea, okay. and, and which is another space that I love. And I was there up until the pandemic is what forced me to switch spaces. And so I took my first class at Lamano. I've taken a a workshop at Mouse Ceramic Studio in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn. And then the pandemic started and 
all the studios closed. And then when things started reopening, I needed to be closer to home in Queens. And so I started working out of sculpture space. So Cammie and I end up talking a lot between the two of us because we we both have like private studios, but Cammie especially, but also uh, like I'm often found at, at the community studio that we both work at. And I was wondering what you, so you've, you've been at two different community studios. Has there been any hope or like plan to move to a private space or do you like for one having, cause like the biggest perks are having community, which is like such an amazing thing. Cami especially is very much on her own in her studio. Um, oh, yeah. and, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but then also like, I, I haven't been at sculpture space for maybe like four years now, but, um, you know, like Andy, Andrew did like such a good job for, you know, glazes there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was like so perfectly set up that you could just show up and work. Yeah. I like working out of a communal studio because of being able to be around other people, which of course now is a little bit deadly during a pandemic. Um, But speaking in terms of the benefits of being around people, it's so cool to see other people's stuff. And even if it's not something that you want to do yourself, it's nice to be able to get inspiration, even if it's just kind of you're absorbing it without actively seeking it out. So I appreciate that. I also have had to do some problem solving that I could have done by myself and with the help of the internet and Google and you know putting out a call on Instagram or whatever. But I've had some in-person problem solving help which I've really benefited from by being in a communal setting. So I like it. It is also really nice to not have to do some of that work of learning how glaze chemicals function exactly and being responsible. It's, It's fine to learn, like it's important, I think, to know that stuff, but there is something that's nice about not having to learn that stuff and not having the lack of that knowledge or the lack of time to mix glazes like that's time right that you have to spend doing that stuff yeah and even if you know how to do it it's nice not to have to yeah well cammy has been in the yeah i I don't want to throw cammy under the bus here but (laughs) cammy's been in the situation where she's like i don't like this glaze and now i've got like a five gallon bucket of it just kicking around my studio that i have to deal with Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, we have to recon our own clay at sculpture space which is probably the biggest amount of labor that i've had to take on in the community space because at lamano they had studio assistants that did all of that stuff for us which i always appreciated like i was never one of those people that was like whatever like recon who cares i was always like thank you so much for doing (laughs) all this work thank you for mopping thank you for sweep like i recognize that it is labor but I also appreciated that it was not labor I had to do myself. So there is extra work that I do now at Sculpture Space, but it's it's fine. Like it's not that big of a deal. That being said, I did work on my own briefly in 2020 when I was between studios because I was working out of a shed. I set up a makeshift studio on cool. Long Island I like this. Okay. in my family's backyard. Awesome. Okay. And so I was working out of a shed because I had dozens and dozens. I must've made like 200 pots in that shed because I had all these back orders to fill. And so that was 
my uncle cleared out a corner of it for me. And I just set up a pottery studio in mm. like, like next to the lawnmower. I can't believe you left <laughs> it. Like that. I would, yeah. Well, it got I, cold. It, okay, it wasn't yeah, insulated. Okay. It was it was electrified, so I had a little bitty kiln. But it was it was when once it got cold, and also I would get eaten alive by mosquitoes in the summertime. Okay. Wow. So it was that sounds nice. less ideal, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have the full time job? I do. Yes. And you're you're working at the what is it? I work for a nonprofit called the Center for Policing Equity. Right. So do you feel like with the balance with the balance of the two, like how much time do you get to spend in the studio? Like how and are you happy? Yeah. And like how do you how do you feel? Like is it cool? Are you know. happy as a whole? As a- <laughs> Overall, yeah. Actually, Camille, that's what I really want to know. That's what the listener yeah. really needs. Um I am very happy. I feel lucky to be able to say that and lucky that it is the truth. So there was a period of time in the early phases of really in all of 2020. I mean, no, everybody struggled right. And through that year for a number of reasons and, and the struggle continues like the pandemic is not over. But that was a period of time where I was running ragged between full-time work, keeping up with everything going on with my pottery business and balancing the two. There wasn't a balance. I was just completely like burnt out by the end of that. And that continued a bit into 2021. I would say that now towards the end of last year and coming into 2022, I have found a balance and that balance is me just accepting that as much as I love pottery, it's not my primary source of income for better or for worse. And as a result, I try to treat it like something that brings me joy and something where I have obligations because people are paying for it. So I don't want to just deliver like a crappy product. If I'm going to sell it, it needs to be of a high quality and needs to be worth the money that people are willing to pay for it, but I'm less willing to drive myself into the ground to sell an extra cup. And I'm less willing to spend hours and hours and hours at the studio on a weeknight after I've worked a full day to bust out orders and then end up hating what I'm working on because I'm working too hard on it. Right. So that's a balance that I have learned the hard way to figure out how to strike. I don't, I think, I don't think Gus and or I have ever really been in a situation where we had to fill orders. Um, I know like just the idea for 10 Greenpoint, for example, when Joe is like asking me to make stuff for the store, I get like, I just have like a wash of anxiety of like the pride, like the, all of a sudden now there's pressure on me. Like a year later, I'm like, I have six cups for you, you know, but it's also hard to pass up opportunities. So, you know, you sort of like, ah, it does take the enjoyment out of it. It just does. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a difference between something where you're intrinsically motivated because you have this big idea or you're really excited about something or you're just in a groove and you're working towards a deadline that you've set for yourself or a goal that you've set for yourself. But as soon as you tell somebody that something is coming or it's something that they have asked you for, <laughs> to me, that's when it flips, when the switch flips. And I, I still maintain excitement about it, but there is that little bit of pressure 
can be the difference between something feeling like I love making pottery and this is so wonderful and zen and exciting and creative and something being like, wow, I hate this cup I just made because I had to make it. On the other side of that, like just the fact that somebody wants you to make stuff for them is. It's incredible. Yeah. Right. It's like such a great feeling. Yeah. It's actually the best. It's like what you always like, that's what you're striving for. Right. Yeah, totally. Do you feel like that ceramics is my hobby or do you feel like it's like, what do you think of it for you? Not that you, you don't have to, I don't, I'm not like, you don't even have to be like, I'm this, but I'm just interested in if you even think about it. I think of it as, I always describe it as a hobby that turned into a side hustle and a side hustle that turned into a business. So I think of it as a business. It is, I am the owner and founder and sole proprietor of a ceramics business. But that business is driven by creativity and driven by an urge to make pottery. And so there are certain obligations that come along with owning and running a business. Like if you place an order, I'm going to fulfill that order and it's going to be of a certain quality and like money's being exchanged. And so that deepens that relationship. But I also still approach it as, I guess, because it's a creative business, I still approach it as from a place of always having something new to learn. Like lately, I've been experimenting more with slips and figuring out different approaches to texture and things like that. And so I don't ever want it to be stale. Like I don't want to keep churning out the same thing over and over and over again on autopilot just because I know it will sell. There's something to be said for making the same things over and over again if if they're popular and people like them and you still enjoy making them. But I don't want it to end at, I've hit on this one thing, let me just pump this out. I want to continue to evolve. And I just want to keep growing because I love learning about ceramics. So it's a business, but it is fueled by a desire to keep growing as an artist, quote unquote. I guess I should put it in quotes. Like, I suppose <laughs> yeah. I am an artist. <laughs> a desire to keep growing in that sense. But also like I have bills to pay, you know, like studios cost money. And so yeah. I want for my hobby to pay for itself um, in a certain sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, that like uh, I'm kind of in a similar boat to that as well where like my art I'll put it in quotes too um doesn't need to (laughs) doesn't need to it doesn't need to like pay I'm not relying on it to live like I have a a full-time job that I do but like it's it's really serious and I and it's kind of freeing to, to have it set up like that too because you can not feel pressure to take something on just because it's gonna pay well um Mm -hmm. you know you can really just like cherry pick what you want to do yeah yeah now that you're in your seventh year of pottery which is like that's a big important year for a potter um is it yeah i think like so they say i don't know i just said it i don't know if that's i'm saying it (laughs) people are Um, gonna say it now yeah if it wasn't before it is now Right. The seventh anniversary is traditionally 10, as we <laughs> know. too. Nobody knows that. Um, do you feel like, how do you feel your work has, has evolved? I mean, seven years is like, it's a commitment. Like it's a yeah. marriage. You're actually, That's true. It's, uh, yeah. 
I, and now that you keep saying seven years, I didn't start pottery in 2017. I started in 2015 because I started pottery at around the same time that I started dating my boyfriend, who is now my husband and we're coming up on seven years. So I've been in a relationship with two important, (laughs) (laughs) two important relationships for the same amount of time. How do I feel coming up on seven years? I don't think about it that way. It's kind of like, oh, wow. I can't believe it's been that long because I still feel like I'm learning all the time. And I know that I'm much better now than I was when I started. And in fact, I'm going to be teaching classes this year for the first time. But I guess I don't think about how much time has passed, which is a good thing. It doesn't feel like I've been doing this forever. It feels like I, it still feels fresh and new to me. Do you have like a goal in mind or where do you see it going or, because I know that you're like, Mm -hmm. your work is really beautiful. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I'm just like kind of curious, like what's going to happen? Like where. That is a great question. Some things are constant. I have this line of pottery, which is my hello Dottie line, which I have not gotten tired of making. It's like this white cups with little notches in them and bowls and plates. It's, it's that that sort of dotted motif. And I really love those. And that's sort of, I suppose I could call it a classic at this point, now that you remind me that I've been doing this for God, sorry. <laughs> almost a decade. <laughs> not, not, we're not quite there yet. Seven it's, years. You're yeah, not. I won't round up. <laughs> I think you said 10 years at some point before. I did? Oh no, I meant seven. Yeah. Okay. At any rate, for the future, I don't know. I I don't want to get bored and I don't want to do the same thing just because I'm good at it. And because I know that I can do it. I find that it comes, the creativity for me comes in waves. And so I've lately been still making tons and tons of cups. Like I'll go in the studio and I'll just throw like 15 cups in a session. And then I'll do a different surface design on each of those cups and just try to experiment with what does this glaze do? Or what does this slip look like? Or is there a different shape that I want to try? So it's been a lot of refining for me, as opposed to trying something brand new that I've never done before. It's how can I do either a shape or a form that I'm familiar with, but bring some new interest to the piece for me. And I am a very, I think most potters are very tactile people. And so for me, I love texturing things. I love carving things. So I'm, I'm always trying to figure out what is an a new way to do the core thing that I really love about pottery. So lately I've just been experimenting with different ways I can rough up my pieces and have them still look really cool at the end when they come out of the the final firing. That's sweet. Are you just functional work only or like, do you think like, oh, you're going to expand? I have always been functional only. My brain doesn't work abstractly. And I see abstract pieces in my studio all the time. And I think that they are so cool and people who are pushing the clay and defying gravity with their sculptures. And, and it, I, I find it to be incredible. And also I like things to be symmetrical. (laughs) I like circles. I hear hand builders a lot say circles are boring and that's fine. If they think that I personally really like when things are even. (laughs) So I don't see a sculptural future for myself, but I have, I did one project last year that required me to do a little bit of hand building. I had to 
build an octopus onto a vase for a commission. And so I learned how to use a slab roller, which is not that hard, but I had never <laughs> used it before. And I was very intimidated and I didn't want to look stupid. And I was like creepily watching somebody out of the corner of my eye in the studio. And then I worked up the courage to ask him to just tell me what he was doing. So I wasn't weirdly stalking him while he was using the slab roller. So those things were fun. I learned a new skill and I learned actually I can do this if I just try and I'm not super great at it, but I could develop it. And so that was nice to learn that I am capable of doing something that's outside of my comfort zone. That being said, I will not be entering any sculpture <laughs> for public consumption anytime <laughs> soon. No, I was going to say, do you, well, do you think maybe, do you think that pottery, like making functional pottery could keep you tethered to the earth? You know what I mean? In a way, like, you know, it keeps you grounded. It like gives Man, you. Cammy's got her Birkenstocks on today. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, like it kind of, like it, there's, you know, if you're like thinking of like directions and goals, at least, you know, like functional pottery is going to be like you be useful like whatever i don't know yeah Please keep all that in <laughs> Jing. i will say this sometimes i do things to prove to myself and maybe to flex a little bit on instagram that i can because throwing a cylinder throwing a one pound cylinder i can do that for days and it feels great i love making cylinders but I also like to remind myself and have the muscle memory of knowing that I can also throw 12 pounds of clay and make a huge vase. So there are some things that when I'm needing to get out of a comfortable space and just like flex different pottery skills and pottery muscles that I will do that. I'm not going to probably ever do a shop drop that has 50 10 pound bases in it partially because I don't want to ship something that's that large, <laughs> but it is nice to know that if I have an idea for something, I do have the toolkit to be able to do it. Even if in between that time I'm making, you know, a bunch of mugs or a bunch of plates or a bunch of bowls or different things like that. And whatever I am making, even if it is those smaller scale pieces, I still want to make them well. So I still want them to be well proportioned and a proper weight and, you know, the right thickness and things like that. Um, I wanted to ask if you have ever tried to teach your husband how to throw on the wheel. For one of my birthdays, my 30th birthday, I had, I rented out Brooklyn clay actually. And I've been there. Had a <laughs> pottery party. I say that cool. because I, see, I saw Cammy's Zoom name says Brooklyn Clay right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> you can cut that out if you need to. Um, I'll start over so that maybe if you don't want no, to. No, we can keep that in. We can keep it in. At any rate, for, what, for my 30th birthday party, I rented out a pottery studio and <laughs> had a bunch of my friends come to, you know, to do a a workshop. So, and my husband was there, of course. So I didn't teach him directly. Okay. 
but he was there and the teacher told him that his pot was really great and his technique was amazing. Oh, jeez. Like, no. And so I never heard the end of that. No. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was a while ago. It was yeah. like, it was a really, it was a, it was a while ago. <laughs> That's he, didn't, really he didn't like get home and clear out the cabinets of all of your stuff and he was like we got some new pots in town <laughs> yeah no 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 but it was it was a good he felt good about that good about his good. creation <laughs> No, that's how to, that's ex exactly how to create a monster. <laughs> that's a good, that's it. a really good party. That's a it good way fun. to, yeah. We were talking a little bit about studio drops or like IG drops or mm -hmm. in-person sales or mm -hmm. do you have like a, any kind of slant on it? I love selling in person. It's really nice to see people interacting with your stuff in real time. I appreciate anybody that wants to buy my pottery. The fact that people want to purchase my stuff still to this day, I feel so fortunate and grateful for. And I get excited every time I see that Stripe notification email that's like, somebody made a purchase. It's just like, wow, that's it's like Christmas whenever that happens. That being said, it is really nice to be able to get, to get in-person feedback on work. And that is something that is not possible in the same way electronically. So I appreciate selling in person, but also being in New York, that means I can only sell to people here. And it is really nice. I remember the first, I had a couple of goals when I first started selling and they, a lot of them revolved around selling pe to people that I did not know. And so my friends and my extended like support network have all been incredibly supportive of me throughout this entire time. Like even when I was a hobbyist, but I remember the first time somebody purchased something and it was somebody that I did not know. That was just an incredible feeling. Like this, I have, this is a stranger. They were like in California or something. And to know that I could send something across the country and have it be in somebody's home that I've never met before, but they sought me out and wanted to have my work in their lives was really remarkable. So it's nice to be in person. There's like a great energy to it, but it is also really nice to have that wide reach of being able to send something across the country and have it reach somebody else's home. That's true. Shipping is not fun. <laughs> I don't know anyone that enjoys, I, I actually don't mind them getting into a rhythm. I like repetitive work, like repetitive production work is, is uh, kind of soothing to me, but it is so time consuming. So I appreciate in-person sales because you can just give it to someone <laughs> and not have to box it up and then hope that it arrives in one piece. But, um, but I, I don't mind shipping for the other, the benefits far outweigh the cost. The, really the worst part about the, uh, the in-studio selling, like the in-person selling is that every now and again, like, you know, you're going to watch someone look at something and be really happy. And then they flip Slowly it over look at the price. the price, yeah, and then <laughs> and then just kind of make a sour face and set it back down, and, uh -huh. and then you and then you know they didn't mean anything by it, but you're gonna think about it for like the next two days for sure. Yeah, I've had part. I did a sale recently um, in December, right as Omicron was really kicking off. It was the last in-person thing that I went to before holding myself in my apartment again, um, and. Most of the stuff that was on 
my table, it, it was fine, but I had a couple larger pieces and they were newer pieces that I hadn't really done before. And I saw a few people pick them up and kind of turn them around and then <laughs> set them down and then smile and then back away slowly. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of like itching to change the price or like really second guessing myself. And I, you know, I, I held out and kind of wrote it out because I do believe in the pricing that I have, but it was, it is interesting to see, to see that happen in person. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's not good for for anxiety or ego or it's, it's, it's rough. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. There was a guy, uh, who was in undergrad uh when I was in grad school and he he was at a sale that was like mostly full of students so I can cut it's like I think slightly more excusable it was mostly full of students but then like occasionally there'd be like a parent of a student there or like a teacher that would come through and I went and looked at his pots because they were really nice (laughs) it's like there's no prices on them man I won't say his name and he he, he was like he was like yeah I know I just kind of feel it out so if it's someone that looks like they've got some money I set the prices higher no (laughs) and I thought that's a bad system now now I don't trust it I'm not buying anything yeah that's also depending on who you are well it's that's that's a bad system like on its face but it also if you are not super confident in selling your pricing your work which I don't know a single maker that's like I feel so confident. This is the price. Everyone I know is like this. I know what I should be making, but then I also know yeah. what I'm comfortable asking someone for. And it's rarely yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. If, I feel like that's a good way to undersell yourself. If you, yeah, I would think so. Kicking out at reach the last back minute. out to him and see, see if he's see still how doing it, that See how it yeah. went, <laughs> how it's going. Um, one time, like, hmm, I'll say like 10 years ago. <laughs> It was a long time ago, maybe even a few more than that. Somebody asked me to be in a sale at a printmaking studio and I put all my ceramics out and I wasn't like a, like a great potter. I was like a, okay. Um, and I was, I made all these bottles. So I had like 60 bottles. They're just white. And somebody came by and picked one up and goes heavy and put it back down (laughs) and walked away. <laughs> we we have a like part of my day terrible. job is, part of part of my day job is uh, I we make these um we like have a dinnerware line and we have like display cases and someone came in who was like really wanted she was like I gotta buy some I like I need something now for I don't it must have been a present or something and she was like looking at it. She was loving it, loving it, <laughs> loving it. She was picking it up. She was like, all right, I'm going to take like these three or whatever. And I was like, okay, like they're this much a piece. And she just said, oh, too expensive. And then she just <laughs> left. Like I dug out stuff all over the table. <laughs> yeah, that one was fun. I guess the rule is like, if you're going to, if you don't like it, you should be dramatic enough to give the person a good story about it. <laughs> totally embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> let me let's talk about like com- I wanted to talk to you about communities kind of like twofold question like I want you to talk about your community and then also like how for people who are listening like how do you build a community if you don't have a community yeah well my original pottery community 
was built at Lamano. And partially that was because I was taking classes. So I was seeing the same people repeatedly. And then I've since stayed in touch with them. And then even when I stopped taking classes and became a studio potter, I was still there all the time. And so being in physical proximity to other potters was really important for me as a starter place for building community. And then I have found at least within New York City that the pottery community is small. Like there's a lot of pottery studios and not that many all at once. And so every place that I've gone, they have known either other people that pot there or the owners know each other. And so I have found over time that it's a pretty insular community. Well, insular is maybe has a negative connotation. It's a, it's a close-knit community and it's a, it's a, once you're in it, it's very easy to have a six degrees of separation kind of approach. So that helps with physical proximity. But if you don't have that, or if now we're in times where being in close proximity to people is not feasible, I have found the internet to be a really great place for that. It's a blessing and a curse. The curse is that it's easy to be inundated and kind of lose your own creative thread if you're constantly seeing other people's work. And it's, for me, it can be hard to separate out what I want to be for myself versus what I'm seeing everyone else do. And so I try to, as much as I can, stay tuned in to things that interest me and not be swayed too much by other things that are going on. But I have met a lot of really wonderful people through Instagram, through, you know, pottery Instagram. And as terrible as social media can be and as crappy as it can make us, the collective we feel, I have also found it to be a, tr a place that is very supportive, at least in the pottery, pottery realm. And so having that kind of electronic outlet has been really sustaining in a time where that in-person community has been harder to maintain because we can't be in close proximity to each other in the same way that we used to be able to. Um, so that's kind of been what has carried me. I'm also fortunate in that within my community here in Astoria, I got hooked up several years ago with this group called the Queen's Craft Brigade, which is a craft fair. And it's not just ceramics. They do all sorts of stuff, candles, soaps, jewelry, printmaking, honey, like the, they run the gamut, but it's Queens-based folks. And so being part of that community, even if it's not only ceramics, there is something I think that's beneficial about other creative outlets within your physical place where you live. So that has also been a formative community for me. How do you approach Instagram? Do you think of it as part of your business or do you think of it as pers your personal space as well? I think of it mostly as business. My personal does spill over sometimes, but it is fairly limited. And even the personal things that I share, with the exception of yesterday, where I think I posted like me doing a crossword puzzle, <laughs> but the but the whole point of that was like, I just spent all day doing ceramics and now this is how I'm relaxing at the end of the day. So there was still a little bit of like a kind of a business like storytelling bent to it. I don't schedule my posts. Like I don't approach it from a mathematical standpoint of I need X amount of engagement. I need this many posts per week. I need this many stories per week. There is still a very organic 
for me, an organic approach to it, but it is business. Like I, I have my own private Instagram where I post fairly infrequently about random stuff. Camille at the wheel is pottery. And even Uh, if I'm posting what I had for dinner, oftentimes I'm posting it in a bowl that I made. So there's, there's always some type of ceramics connection there. Oh, that's actually really good. I didn't really like to keep your personal life personal. And then your like business, your constructed business self. I feel like the, the myth of the artist is important mm-hmm. to, to a Instagram account. I, I don't know. I am always feeling like, cause I don't have a separate, I don't have a separate account. So sometimes I'm like, if I pick post a picture of my boyfriend, I'm like, Oh, who's going to want to see this. They just want to see the pot, you know, but then- I don't think that that's true though. Cause when I do post personal things, oftentimes I will caveat them and be like, this isn't a pottery post, but, and then people will say, whatever, like we still, thanks for sharing this. Or, you know, I uh, got married in September and I posted briefly. Thank you. I posted a a few, you know, photos from the wedding because it was, we got, it was so fun. It was a wedding. Like, of course I want to share that. It was like one of the happiest things I've done. So I posted some things and I, and in a couple of instances, I kept saying, I'll get back to the pottery soon, but I'm really excited. Like I just got married and people responded and they were obviously, you know, very congratulatory. And also a lot of people said, thank you so much for sharing this stuff. Thank you for letting us see into this, this piece of your life. And so I think people do like that stuff, but I don't want to over expose And also I just, there's something to be said for privacy and, you know, there are some things that I just don't want to put on the internet. Yes. I'm learning. I think I'm learning that (laughs) slowly (laughs) learning that lesson. I don't know. I guess, you know, like, I think if you are into oversharing, like that's perfect place. The internet's mm-hmm. perfect for it. But then it's like, oh, what did I, what did I just say? I don't know. <laughs> Can't like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I did eat McDonald's six days in a row or whatever it is. I would never do that. But that's probably relatable <laughs> to people that like <laughs> McDonald's and don't, like, don't care that you did that. <laughs> for me, I think part of the thing is I love ceramics and I run a ceramics business. So my Instagram is is pottery related almost all of the time, but I also love Queens and I love Queens businesses and local businesses and really being a part of my local community. And so opportunities to use whatever platform that I have to also share and promote those things that are important to me. That's also something that I share. Like I go, there's a farmer's market that's not far from me in Jackson Heights which I love going to. And oftentimes I will go there on Sunday mornings and then go straight to the pottery studio. So for me, that's all part of one story of, I live in Queens. This is what I'm doing Sunday morning. And this is what I did before I got to the pottery studio. This is what I'm doing after. If you read along this far, thanks for following. Now you know the story of how this batch of cups was made (laughs) and what I did before and what I did after. So there's a through line and there is some personal, but it's not, it's not 
full transparency of every single thing that happens outside of pottery. Um, do you cook a lot? I do. That's part of when you asked earlier about my balance between pottery and full-time work, I have been cooking more because I have been doing less of other, <laughs> less of other things. I won't say which. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so what do you, uh, what kind, what are you working on in the kitchen? Just out of curiosity, Gus and I actually cook a lot too. And um, also, and there is like a pretty important relationship between food and pottery, obviously. Yes. Yeah. It varies. I, when I go shop, especially when I go to the farmer's market, I don't buy things logically. Like I don't buy a pork chop and then a head of broccoli and then a potato. I'll buy a pork chop and like an onion and a pint of fresh milk and like a bottle of wine. Like it's not, <laughs> I don't, I don't buy things with the recipes in mind. It's very much like, oh, this looks really pretty. And then I figure it out later. So I can't say I have anything that I've been, there haven't been any themes to the cooking lately, but it has been a lot of buying stuff that looks good and then figuring out what to do with it later. Uh, Gus is, Gus is cooking a lot of pizza. Gus a, lot of pizza nice. a, lot of, a lot of spaghetti. Nice. Are you making uh, the pasta yourself? Um, no, I'm not. That might be the next thing. That might be the next thing. That might be the next. That might be the next thing. I uh, I'm not there yet. I when we started the podcast two years ago, I was like learning how to cook meatloaf for the first time. Oh, so um, I'm pretty proud of my pro my progress, but I, I got ways to go. Uh, and uh, I Cammy's eaten some stuff that I've cooked. Pizza, I think maybe that's it. What kind of pizza are you making? Oh, I, well, I'm really into I'm really into Detroit style pizza right now. That's what my is big. Detroit style pizza? Well, mm. so it it's like a pan pizza kind of. It's and uh, but it's like a deeper pan pizza. But it all came about because Cammy and I became friends over uh, a pizza place that we loved that. And then it actually turned out that the owner was like a huge piece of shit and they like closed down overnight and all these people got screwed out of jobs plus what they had already had to deal with dealing with this guy for years. Um, so it was like a real bummer. And, and, um, was it and a then Detroit Cammy, style pizza shop? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Lower <laughs> Manhattan. No, it was, or, it, it was in Bushwick and okay. yeah. And it, it was like a very Midwest, it was like a very Rust Belt Chicago, not quite as deep dish as Chicago, but like a Detroit, Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. I'm from St. Louis. I, my, our pizza is paper thin. Oh. Um, like cracker crust. Whoa. Pizza. It's this, delicious. This is actually, this is really good St. to know. Louis, yeah. <laughs> um, it's because got Provel <laughs> cheese on it, which is like a like a scientifically created cheese. Wait, it's got what? <laughs> Provel. It's not provolone. It is Provel. No, cheese. that's cool. Emo's that pizza. Like... It's delicious. Oh man, <laughs> it's made in a lab. Wait, do you know what they is big in um in Iowa? My brother's like been pushing it on me so much lately. Is is Casey's gas station pizza? That's like Iowans. <laughs> 
if you meet anyone from Iowa, you got to ask them about Casey's Pizza. All right. Uh, <laughs> I know two people from Iowa. I think. Okay, ask them. Ask, ask them about it. Ask them if they like the specifically the breakfast pizzas. Apparently, like they're the go-to. Casey's gas station breakfast pizza. Yeah, they'll say okay. it's a general store, but it's a gas station. Okay. Remind them when they. Uh, I, I don't have any serious questions left. I, I, I just have jokes is all I got tonight. Jeez. <laughs> oh, My one final question. And I was thinking about like, now that you've lived, I know you've lived in New York for several years. Like how many? <laughs> it will be, I, am, I have entered my 12th year. Whoa, that's serious actually. Now that you're like a true New Yorker, do you or do you daydream about like moving back to St. Louis? No, not at all. <laughs> no, I love St. Louis. I love to visit St. Louis. I do wish I lived closer to my immediate family. My mom and both of my brothers still live there, but I can't imagine living in St. Louis. I don't know that I love New York, but I can't imagine living anywhere else. Like when I think about other Same. places to go, I don't know where else that would Same. be. <laughs> I actually, I just oh, actually man. wanted to know because I'm trying to figure that out for myself. It's and a hard that's question. exactly <laughs> the same thing that I think. Yeah. Cammie, how yeah. long have you been? You've been here for 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. 20. Like that. Yeah. But yeah. my boy, my boyfriend just moved here like six, seven years. Six when years I, yeah. So yeah. he, so it's like a whole new city because he's never been here. So for me, we get to see things that I've never seen in all the years that I've lived here. So he's like, it's like a, everything's new still for him. He's still in that honeymoon phase. But it's where do you, where in New York do you live? Have you lived in the same place the whole time? I live in, I lived in Greenpoint for like 10 years of, and then now I live in Ridgewood, Queens. So I have, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've spent, spent time in Richwood. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. There's nothing. It's fine. There's nothing great I about really it. I did about Ridgewood because I saw some write up about something that I don't even remember at this point. And I went and, and it just said, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fine. No, I was just like, okay, this is probably people come to like where I live and they think, Oh, like it's a neighborhood. There are people, yeah. there's shops. It's, it's nice. It's, you know, like it's a place to live. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, I, I had, I enjoyed both times I've been there. I've had a really nice time. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about Astoria. <laughs> Same. Um, I think that Jackson, like, I love Jackson Heights though. Jackson Heights is incredible. Yeah. It's beautiful. There's so many different types of people. Yeah. There's trees. There's like really, there's mature trees in Jackson Heights and in yeah. Sunnyside, which I um, really appreciate the, the curb appeal of that. But Jackson yes. Heights is a really cool neighborhood. Yeah. Those Sunnyside guys. was always, when I worked at Sculpture Space, I would walk over, take long walks over in Sunnyside when I mm -hmm. needed a break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm sure the like the listeners are like, "What the fuck?" Get this is out. it. You got to deal with it sometimes. <laughs> this is what we get excited about: though. mature trees, mature trees, blocks. And this is why well, I can't say I love New York, but I don't know where else I would live. 
<laughs> today, before you got on, I was telling Cami that I took a walk today from from Williamsburg to Crown Heights, and it was just like it's like the armpit of like you know like I walked past like uh, uh, the Home Depot, like I, I it was just like nothing nothing good. <laughs> I walked past a bunch of new high rises, and uh, yeah, I should have gone out of my way and walked by the water or something. It was. <laughs> next to the navy yard even would be exciting but, yeah yeah i get it that walk would is really depressing there's <laughs> yeah. nothing to see on, it's under just the like, B, under the bqe for yeah, a little nothing. bit you know there's, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing nope like no parks no nothing yeah. you've just like, like blocks and blocks yeah cool. oh my gosh okay so thanks for having me yes thank you so thanks much for so being much. here and i'm gonna probably send it to you and then you can approve it you can like listen to it and be like, I don't think there was anything that you want taken out. That's egregious. Yeah. This like... will besmirch my reputation. <laughs> yes. Well, Cammy's going to get kicked out of her neighborhood if she doesn't cut out Ridgewood. It's okay. Ridgewood is fine. I thought Ridgewood was more than fine. I really liked it both times I was there. I went to a really cool um, coffee shop, bookshop. Uh, I got a tote bag, which is not in my proximity, but. Um, I actually spent part of my birthday in Ridgewood this year. I went uh, to Shop Stay Forever, and then I got a pastry from some really cute, delicious coffee shop down the street. Went to the bookstore. Sounds like a beautiful. I don't know. Day. Next, next time, I don't know what any time. of those. What's the first thing you said? What the fuck? Topos, I think is the name. Oh, of Topos, the yeah, Topos yeah. is. I amazing. actually, yeah, I would contest the quote-unquote Ridgewood is okay. fine it's Topos is cool yeah fine okay fine it's great now okay great i'm like bragging and also if you went did you go to lem prairie for pastry possibly i don't remember the name of it everything that i did was on like one kind of uh drag so okay. i didn't venture far from that location um so i don't know i don't remember the name of it but they had this uh what was this thing I ate? It was like a bre it was like a bacon, egg, and cheese focaccia or something. Damn. That was that sounds good. <laughs> really delicious. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll like, cool. I'm gonna well, look it I'll up. I'll see you guys over there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, cool. thank you. Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks so much. This yeah, is so my fun. pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. And we're back, Gus. You know, I'm still like, I'm still kind of high off that conversation with Kavil. That was pretty fun. That's great. Yeah, we learned a lot. We, we learned a lot from our expert, a lot from Camille. I mean, this is a full, all around educational episode. This is like Olympics. This was the Olympics of episodes. Are you saying that because you can tell that I do have the Olympics on in the background now? Oh, no. No wonder. Oh, brother. Okay. Um, if you want to know more about Camille, you can follow her at Camille at the Wheel on Instagram. You can listen to her episode of the Potter's Cast for a little bit more backstory. And you can go to her website, CamilleAtTheWheel.com. She's got an amazing shop and she does a lot of drops and overall just like such a great person. Thanks, Camille, for being on the podcast. Gus. This, yes. was a, this was a blast. <laughs> Dang. This was a blast. Uh, please 
follow the ceramics podcast on Instagram and send us a message. If you have a question that you would like us to find the expert and ask them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. Gus, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Sounds Bye, great. Everyone. Thanks everybody. Bye. This Olympic speed skater is from Florida. Like, what a weird... How do you get into it from Florida? Like, the other person's from Norway. That makes sense, you know?